Yeah, you should be saying, wow, Joe, this is the first one you've been at. <laughs> it's good to have you back in the house. <laughs> He's been working. This is Joe down the front here. He's been working on Sundays, AFL coaching and whatever. But uh, it's good to have your comments back. <laughs> Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Everyone say all. I love this culmination, this crescendo, if you like, of Psalm 23, that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In other words, what it's saying is in Jesus Christ, we can expect good and we can expect mercy every single day of our life and every day through to the end of our life. What? Is that good news or what? Good, we can expect good from God. We can expect mercy and grace from God every single day. Not because we deserve it. Not because we've earned it. Because God will never treat us in accordance with what we deserve. But because of His nature, His character. He is a God of love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, compassion and in Jesus Christ, we have received all of those in his name. Forgiveness, cleansed, made righteous, highly favoured, highly favoured that we've received mercy. I've been listening to the new uh, C3 Youth album lately. And uh, if you haven't got it, I encourage you to get it. It's fantastic. Uh, but there's one song in there called He Washed Away. Has anyone heard it? Anyone listened to that album? A couple of people. It's fantastic. I won't sing it because uh, you'll never go and buy it. <laughs> but there's a great song on the last song of the album. He washed away my yesterday. Uh, and it's so good to know that, that he brings forgiveness and mercy, compassion and love to us every single day. Because we all mess up, don't we? We all make mistakes. We all have regrets. And uh, there's all things that we wish we could change. Uh, we can't change the past, but we can get forgiveness, we can be made righteous so that our past doesn't affect our future, so that our future is as bright as the promises of God's Word. And it's good to know that, so that we have mercy, we have grace, that we receive God's blessing and His favour on our lives every single day. Um, and the flip side of that message, which is what I really want to focus on this morning, the flip side, and if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that this is the other side of Jesus' message. Not only do you receive mercy and grace and blessing and good from Him when we come into relationship with Him, but as recipients of God's goodness and His blessing and favour and mercy, that it's imperative that we are also being merciful, that we are also returning good to those in our world and that we're dealing with, not always because they deserve it, because they don't <laughs> sometimes, but because <coughs> that's how God has treated us. That's how God's dealt with us. That's the kind of uh, relationship that he has poured out in our world <coughs> and as recipients of that, that he wants us also to be participants in that. So that if we're receiving mercy and grace, goodness and blessing, that we are also giving that to those in our own world. That we are a force for good in the world, a force for mercy, a force for love. That the world's a more merciful place because you're in the world. 
because I'm in the world, because the church is in the world. And uh, it's interesting when Jesus was asked what love looked like when he was telling his stories and parables. And so, someone asked him, well, what, is it, what does that look like, loving your neighbor? Who is my neighbor? What does love look like? It's interesting that he used the context of mercy to demonstrate what it looked like in the parable of the Good Samaritan. I want to I look at that this morning. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, uh, you can turn there if you like. <coughs> I didn't put it up on the screens because uh, there's quite a bit of text, but I'm going to read it to you. Just listen. Uh, you may know this story. You may not, but it says this, Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 26, uh, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he said. How do you read it? Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, but, but who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wound, pouring, oil, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have, you, that you may have. Then Jesus says to the, the uh, scribe, uh, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, then go and do likewise. It's interesting that when Jesus was asked to clarify the, the gospel, clarify the kingdom that he was representing, that he used a context of mercy to demonstrate. And mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone, not always someone who deserves it. I want to look at two particular lessons from this uh, that relate to us and relate to mercy and relate to our understanding of what we've freely received, and therefore what we are asked to also give to those around us. Number one, uh, we need a mercy mindset. A mercy mindset. While Jesus does not say why the priest or the Levite didn't stop, he doesn't go into the details of it, what we do know is the Samaritan, who was a known enemy of the Jew, not a friend, but an actual enemy, showed mercy in the form of six particular things in this scripture. Number one, he showed him friendship. So mercy can be seen in friendship. Number two, he showed him advocacy or support. And so mercy can be demonstrated through support. Number three, emergency medical treatment. Number four, transportation. Number five, financial help. Number six, a follow-up visit. He said, I'll come back and I'll repay any extra costs. And so... In all these examples, he's saying mercy is demonstrated by our actions and our behavior and our attitude towards those around us. That's what mercy is. It's not a theory. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's an action. Love is an action. Love comes out of mercy. And therefore, if we are 
receiving God's love, his mercy, his grace, which we have in Jesus Christ. It wasn't just a theory or an idea. Jesus Christ came into our world and showed us and demonstrated us and revealed to us mercy that we are also treating those around us with the same heart and desire. It's important that our faith transcends the personal, that it moves us into the social. The, the gospel, if you read through the life of Jesus, it's not personal. All the context are put within the realm and the context of the social. The Christian gospel is a social gospel. It is about interaction. It is vertical, but it's also horizontal, how we relate to people. If our faith is purely personal, if it's only about my relationship with Jesus, then we've not really understood the message of the gospel. We haven't understood what Jesus came to declare and to do. Uh, <coughs> even John the Baptist, when he was asked, what would repentance involve? If you read in Luke chapter 3, they said, well, what? he said, you've got to repent. And they said, well, what does that look like? What does repentance look like? He put it in a social context. He said, if you have two shirts, give one to the person who has none. If you have food, share it with those who have none. He put repentance in a social context. Now, does that mean you're only allowed to have one shirt? Does it mean you're only allowed to have one car? Does it mean you're only allowed to have one of everything? And if you've got two, then you should be giving it away. Is that what he was saying? No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, in the, coming king, in the coming kingdom, we cannot be just those that receive the blessings of God, which are available. Blessing and favor and goodness and prosperity, which God promises and are freely available. But you can't just receive the blessings of God without having a heart and an eye towards those that are less fortunate. That we're just living for ourselves. The message is that if you're blessed, which you are in Christ, that blessing should be coming, prosperity should be coming, then you should be looking to somehow also share that with those that are misfortunate. That's the message of the gospel. In other words, the, the coming kingdom was one focused on healing social inequalities. That, that, that as blessing comes into the church, as blessing comes into our life, that we are then able to look and to meet the needs of those that we come across. Every single need? No. The story of the Good Samaritan is sometimes we're in a context where we come across somebody that needs our help. And that for us to, to uh, turn a blind eye... And to walk away is not living out the gospel. Does that mean every single need that we come across we've got to meet? No. But sometimes God will put something on your heart. Isn't that right? Did Jesus, Jesus didn't heal every single leper or beggar or blind person. They were all around him. But he healed many of them. He healed lots of them. And his heart was towards all of them. But it's important that we are receiving God's blessing on one side, receiving His mercy, not living in guilt, condemnation from the past, from, from things that have gone on in our world, but we receive blessing and healing and mercy, financial blessing, prosperity, mindsets, paradigms, so that we can be blessed in every way, but that we then we are able to bring that blessing into the lives of other people. 
In other words, what it means is it would require orthodoxy and orthopraxy, belief and practice, faith and works. That's the gospel. That's the message of Christ, that it contains not only our spiritual world, but our social world. That Christianity is not just about believing. It's about belonging. It's about community. It's about context. It's about changing this world right here, right now, in Jesus' name. That's why the church is here. We're changing the world now. That it's not just about an eschatological end of days um, world that Jesus talked about. He did talk about the coming of uh, his second coming and about uh, the end times and all that. But Jesus Christ pushed away uh, the Jews of, of his day were were focused and fixed and and um, and uh, and waiting for the uh, political consummation of Israel that they would be raised again into power. And Jesus changed that concept. He said, no, there will be an end day. But he pushed it off into the future. But what he did say is, right here, right now, we're going to change the social order. Right here, right now, by our faith, to get involved in the world, to not to pull back, but to get involved and to make a difference. Just like seed, just like leaven in bread, little by little, every action, every, every attitude, every time we give, every time we do something towards, every time we show an act of grace, an act of mercy, an act of compassion, every time we exhibit the likeness of Christ in the world, we are bringing the kingdom into the world right here, right now. That's why we're here as a church. <coughs> um, when we read this story, you know, we don't, re- we don't really grasp the, the uh, I guess the enormity of what Jesus was saying in this story when he used a Samaritan as the hero. We, we read a Samaritan, we don't really understand in their day what he was actually saying, but he was really confronting the people that were listening to him at that day. If we want to put it into a modern context, I, I was trying to think about what this would look like. Because the Jews were the sworn enemies. Uh, sorry, the Samaritans, they were the sworn enemies. They they believed in a similar God, but they had a different temple. They believed in different. They had different beliefs. They had a different approach. Um, and I, it's probably not perfect, but this is. This may help us understand what Jesus was saying. He was saying it would be like. Uh, it'd be like saying uh, the Pentecostal man was walking down the street, and he saw that person in need, and he walked by on the other side. Then the Baptist was walking down the street. And he saw the person in need and he walked by the other side. Or maybe it was the Anglican or maybe it was the Catholic. Or He was saying in the context of Christianity that they're, that they're walking down the street and they weren't able to, for whatever reason, maybe they were busy going to a meeting, had something other priority, but they weren't meeting the need of that person at that time. And then the Muslim asylum seeker was walking down the street. That's the Samaritan in the context. In, in the context of the people that were listening, that's what, that's what he was basically saying. The Muslim person who has a different belief, a different culture, a different outlook, a different paradigm was walking down the street. But that Muslim person showed compassion to the man. And he met his need. And he poured out his finances. And he helped him in his time of need. And then he's saying, so who was really showing compassion and God-likeness? The person that just had the orthodoxy, that just had the belief system, or the person that actually demonstrated that thing. Now, was he saying to the Jews that you should be like Samaritans? No, that's not what he was saying. Is he saying in that context that we should be like Muslims? No, that's not what he's saying. So what does it tell us? What was Jesus saying? 
Exactly what I was saying before, that you cannot be a receiver of the blessings of God and then not look at distributing or helping those who are also in need that, we, that are around us. That we can't take the blessings and the benefits of a relationship with Jesus and take none of the responsibility of his mission. That we're just receivers and not distributors. That we're just takers and not givers. Um, but that we must have resources to bring about his mission. So God says blessing is available. You have a mandate to be blessed. You have a mandate from God to prosper financially, emotionally, relationally. It's in the Word. God's blessing in Christ Jesus is available to everyone who would believe. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have more than enough. He says it's available. I'm empowering you. In Jesus Christ to receive wealth. But on the, other hand, on the other hand, he says, you cannot just be the receiver of that wealth without then looking at how you can use that wealth also to meet the needs of the physical world right now. That you can be a contributor to my mission and my purpose in the world. A mandate to prosper, to generate wealth. John Wesley once said, he said he was asked if he felt the love of God in his heart. And he said, no, I feel it in my wallet. I feel it in my hands and I feel it in my feet. What was he saying? He was saying that compassion and love is not just a feeling, it's an action. And as individuals and as the church, that we need to be looking at how we can make a difference and, and change the lives of people who are in our context and in our world. And so the Spirit of Jesus causes us to lift our gaze beyond our own needs and desires. He doesn't have a problem with us having needs and desires and bringing them before Him, but that we're not consumed simply with those, but our gaze is lifted higher. And when we study the life of Jesus, we see that His faith motivated Him to acts of compassion, even if that crossed cultural taboos. Throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus crossing cultural taboos to bring blessing to people's lives. In John chapter 8, he, protect, he protected the adulterous woman. He protected her against the mob, not because he condoned her behavior, but because he understood her pain and the hypocrisy of those who were accusing her. And so he stood up for her in that scripture. In Luke 7, he esteemed the prostitute with the love and care of a father and restored a sense of value a sense of value beyond her, beyond her going rate. And he gave her a sense of dignity, which she hadn't felt for many, many years, by expressing love and compassion towards her. In Mark chapter 1, a leper knelt down before him and begged, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I love what it says in the scriptures here. It says, he reached out and touched the man. It says a leper came towards him. And knelt down and said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And it says, he reached out and he touched the man. He didn't see a leper, but he saw a man suffering from an incurable disease that brought humiliation and, and, and uh, made you a social outcast. And it says he put his hand on the man. The man hadn't felt human touch probably for years and years and years. And so he put his hand on the man. He said, I'm willing I'm willing. He reached out and he touched him. He brought self-esteem. He didn't just bring healing, but he brought 
self-esteem, self-worth. He brought healing to his flesh and he brought healing to his soul. He returned a sense of humanness to him. That's what Jesus wants to do, to bring the sense of humanness, to lift up the dignity of humanity in the world. (coughs) He reached out his hand and restored him. God values human life more than we will ever comprehend. And wherever he sees humanity marginalized or lowered or ostracized, then he came in to bring healing to that situation, to healing to the marginalized, whether it be economically, through poverty, whether it be through disease, whether it be through uh, their uh, demographic or their their, uh, socioeconomic or their ethnicity. He would come in and he would bring wholeness and healing to their life. God values human life, not based on a person's power, not based on their position, not based on their ability to perform, but because they're a human being made in the image of God, created in his likeness, and he came to bring dignity, value, and esteem upon humanity. That's the message of the gospel. That's the goodness that brings freedom and liberty to people that are living, that You have value. That's a message that every person needs to hear. That's the message of the gospel. You have value because you're human. You're human. Elevating grace and mercy to preeminence. (coughs) And when when there were cultural taboos that caused uh, people to be ostracized, uh, then he he would bring that down. He would always elevate the humanity of a person over any other part of their life. So number one, we need a mercy mindset. And number two, mercy is our primary ministry. God's purpose is our priority. And mercy is high on his agenda. If you read through the Gospels, and uh, if you read that story in Luke chapter 10 of the Good Samaritan, you can see that mercy, it doesn't always fit into our routine. The Samaritan risked his safety. He abandoned his schedule. He was going somewhere. He didn't go from Jericho to Jerusalem by chance. That was a particular route. So he was on his way somewhere. Sometimes we're doing something, we're on our way somewhere, and a, and a situation, an opportunity will come before us, and we've got to make a choice. Am I going to abandon this particular thing that I've got to do that may be important, or am I going to meet this need that's here right now? And that's only something that we can determine as we pray about what's before us. But he, the Samaritan risked his safety, abandoned his schedule. He became dirty and bloody through personal involvement with a needy person of another race and another social class. What was he saying? Jesus was saying in this story, he said, forget all the religious duty stuff. He says, love God with all your heart and embrace all his blessing and all his favor that is available to you, not because you deserve it, because Jesus Christ has made it free for you without guilt. And then look for opportunity to be involved in imparting imparting mercy and making the world a better place for everyone. That's the message of the gospel. Are we making the world a better place for people to live? Are we helping people who, for whatever reason, are uh, marginalized to improve their lot? in life and he put people's well-being first before institutions or uh, anything else he was a voice against the closed shop 
where people were blocked out, that they couldn't participate. The high barriers of entry established to protect the powerful and take advantage of the weak. The cultural prejudices that marginalized and abused the fringe. He came against all of them with his word. <clears throat> Does that mean he was a ra radical economic reformer? Or a, social, uh, <coughs> or a social terrorist wanting to bring down the entrenched establishment. Many people have claimed that Jesus was all of those things, but he was none of those things. He confronted and challenged the status quo, not from an economic position, not from a sociological platform, <coughs> but from a moral imperative, because he knew the value of a human being, that human beings made in the image of God are of high value and high esteem, and need to be valued in society, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, no matter what their background, no matter what their ethnicity or, or bank account looks like. He said, <coughs> humanity is unique. If you read through the Gospels over and over again, he says a human being is worth, so, is worth much more than an animal. Much more than, a, much more than a sparrow, he tells the story. Aren't you not worth so much more than a sparrow? When he says uh, to, the, uh, to the other Pharisees, when they didn't want him to heal on a Sabbath, he says, if one of your animals was fallen in a pit, you'd pull him out. Isn't a human being worth much more than an animal? Jesus used these examples. And he said, no matter where you find them, no matter what condition, no matter where they're at, you bring dignity, you bring value, and you bring love to humanity, to human beings, because they're made in the image of God. And we don't treat them based on their position, their power, their prestige, but because they're made in the image of God, because they're esteemed above all else, and because God loves you and loves me and loves humanity so much that he gave his only son. And so if we're going to lean one way, we need to lean towards grace. If we're going to err on one side, we need to err on the side of mercy when it comes to dealing with people because they're made in the image of God. And as the church, it's so important as individuals and corporately as a community that we are esteeming humanity, that we are lifting up the marginalized or the, the people that have fallen through economic cracks or social cracks, that we are bringing the kingdom of God, not just as an end-time eschatological culmination of humanity, but that we are bringing and ushering in the kingdom of God right here, right now. Jesus said the kingdom of God is here. It's here now. It's at work now. It'll be fulfilled in the end times. But we have got to be part of the solution of bringing his vision for the world. And how do we do that? What's our responsibility? It's simply to embrace everything that God has made available in Jesus Christ. Living in the fullness of his blessing and his favor and his goodness. Unapologetically and without guilt. because It's not because we deserve it, but because he's made it available in Jesus. And then... In that blessing, not simply focusing on ourselves, but then looking, having eyes to see how can we also help make a difference in the lives of others. Freely you have received, freely given, Jesus said. If you've received mercy, 
then show mercy. If you've received grace, then show grace. If you've received blessing and abundance financially, then you should be giving and, and being generous on every occasion, giving to God what belongs to God and looking for opportunities to show God's grace and mercy in people's lives. That's it. Pretty simple, isn't it? Living, it's a bit harder. <laughs> but I tell you, as a church, as a community, as a campus, God is calling us to bring this message to the inner west, to bring transformation and the message of hope, faith, and love to the people that are living in this area. And we can't meet every need. We can't heal every hurt. We can't fix every social problem. Um, but there are some that we can do. There are some, some things that we can attempt to heal and, and, and bring an answer to. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about how we can do this in a practical way because you know, it's all right to hear a message, but then think, oh, okay, what, what, what can I do about that? And I don't want to just give you theory without giving you practicality. And so I was thinking, as a church, how can we demonstrate? And we're always demonstrating it. We're always doing different things. But one thing that I was thinking this week, and um, I, I won't do it today, but coming up, I was sitting at a coffee shop that I go to regularly and... Um, I was just sitting there reading my Bible and, yeah, I know. <laughs> Does that surprise you? <laughs> um, I was just sitting there reading my Bible and a guy came past in, a, um, in one of those electric wheelchairs and he was talking to someone and he said, um, oh, they were just talking, they go, oh, hey, he goes, wow, he said, oh, since I've had this electric wheelchair, he said, my life has been completely changed. I used to be isolated, I used to be stuck in my unit, I couldn't get out. And when I got this, it just gave me freedom, freedom to actually make a difference. It made such a difference to my life. And when I was sitting there, I really felt like the Lord say, um, why don't you look to um, give that freedom to someone on Father's Day in the church? To imagine someone in our community that doesn't go to the church, maybe doesn't even believe in God, but on Father's Day, someone who's stuck in their unit or stuck in their place somewhere and they don't have the finances to, to buy it or a family that can support them. And imagine if as a church, and they're not actually that expensive, that we said, hey, we want to give you freedom. Um, how awesome would that be? So I've had Justine, I can't do it, so I've got Justine to do it. So I'm busy. I'm busy doing religious things. <laughs> But uh, no, I said to Justine, why don't you start ringing around some of the community groups, some of the old people's homes, some of the uh, organisations and see if they can track someone down in our community that fits that profile. Um, anyway, she started making some phone calls and she was saying, man, people were, they were so excited. They, oh, do you mean you actually want to give one to somebody? And he said, oh, that, that, that's the idea. And they said, oh, we'll, we'll have a look around, we'll find out. So anyway, we haven't got any information back yet at this point, but I wanted to share that with you because I just think um, I just think it would just be so good to show and demonstrate mercy and grace towards someone in our community because that's what it's about. That's what the gospel is about. Changing lives right here, right now, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So you have to prosper. 
I command you to prosper. I command you to earn all the money you can and to be blessed and then to take some of that money and look for ways that you can change other people's lives. As a church that we can change. Imagine, I mean, we can do one. I think, I think these things are about, I don't know, anywhere between two and $5,000. I was looking on the internet, but I, don't, I still got to work out. I don't want to buy them a dud <laughs> and get something decent. But, um, uh, but this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. I believe that, that for the mandate that God is putting on us to say, I want you, I want you to change people's lives in our community. Not every life. We can't do every life. But I tell you, we can. If we think big and we get involved in God's program to gain a reputation in this community that says they're the people that change people's lives. They're walking the talk. They're making a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. So once we find somebody, we'll let you know. If we don't find anyone, we won't do it. But, um, and then hopefully what we'll do is get them here on Father's Day and present it to them. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? So let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word, your grace, your goodness. You've been so good to us. You gave us, forget, you, you showed your mercy. Lord, when we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it. We weren't looking for it, but you poured out your love because that's who you are. You, you poured out mercy because that's who you are. You showed compassion because that's who you are. You lifted up the dignity of humanity through your love and your grace. And Father, we pray that you would empower us to do likewise. Father, that we would receive everything that you've done, like prodigal sons, the robe, the ring, the blessings, the, the prosperity of the kingdom coming into our world. But Lord, that we would also have your mission and your mindset at heart, that we can take that blessing and make a difference in the world. We can bring your kingdom, that your kingdom come and your will be done right here, right now. And I know, Lord, that your smile is upon that. Just as we finish up, I'd just like to ask, maybe you're here today, maybe you're visiting or maybe you, you come, but you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. You've never said, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you. That's why Jesus came. That we might be restored into relationship with God, not because we earned it or deserved it, but because he values your life so highly that he would send his son to pay the price upon a cross to restore you in a relationship with him. That's how much he values you. That's how much he esteems you. That's how much he wants you to be in relationship with him. If you're here today, you've never prayed that prayer, but you're saying, you know what? I want to know this God. I want to know this God. I'd love to lead you in a prayer at the end of this service that asks Jesus Christ into your life. So that's you here today. Never pray that prayer. Just put your hand up. I'll indicate that I've seen it and we'll pray at the end of this service. Just put it up high. We're going to pray. 
Maybe you've asked Jesus Christ into your life at some point, but you're away from him right now. But you're saying, you know what, I need to come back. I've got to get my life right again with God. If that's you, just put up your hand so I can see it. We're going to pray at the end of this service. Anyone at all, just say, yeah, that's me. Thank you, God. Well, let me pray for you as we finish this service. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness, your mercy, your blessing, your gifts. I thank you, Lord, you've called us to prosper, to live in your blessing and abundance. but also to be a redistributor, to be a channel of faith and hope and love in every aspect, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. Lord, we want to be part of your program. Pray you lead us, Lord, into bringing transformation to the inner west, little by little, relationship by relationship, one person at a time, like leaven in yeast, uh, yeast in yeast in dough, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, "Amen." Let's give the Lord. A-